heating up this uh, fine Monday uh, night. Uh, I'm still a little bit jet lagged personally. I took a fat nap once I got off of work. Grant, you mentioned you're not you're not doing too hot today either. I feel great. And then we got we got Andy over here with uh, he's playing playing through injury. <laughs> Last week had no voice. This week, couple broken ribs. How are you jet? How are you jet lagged though? You went from Boston to Detroit. <laughs> semantics, semantics. <laughs> oh, okay. Semantics. Um, but yeah, JetBlue. We're not we're not flying JetBlue again. We don't support. This is an anti-JetBlue podcast for for starters. But we we can Aaron, confirmed. Yeah, well, we can break it down once we go into the Columbus game recap. As Grant and I were were there. But uh, anyway, welcome into the Production Line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham and Andy. Yeah, so it was a yeah, interesting week for Red Wings. Um, you know, actually won two games, which is kind of a shocker. Two out of three is not bad. Actually, two zero and one. If we really want to be technical, we gotta love that pity point, especially when yeah. uh, we're mathematically eliminated from from playoff contention. It's like the points don't matter. But I love how awful we were for whatever six weeks and we didn't drop any place in the standings that's my favorite that's impressive yeah that's impressive i honestly didn't know that i thought we yeah, dropped we, like maybe a maybe a spot or so not even a single spot buffalo tied us at one point and then we won two games in a row and buffalo lost two so now we're ahead of buffalo and chicago streak. sucked so i don't yeah. th- i think we're saying it's 24 yeah chicago is horrible which i'm you know what i i I can't say i'm you know mad about them sucking yeah but uh yeah uh before we start a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of inside the rink bet us bet us is your nhl nba ufc pga and yes nfl betting lines for their 27th year of live betting sign up for betus.com with promo code rink for 125 percent sign up bonus Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. So, yeah, PGA as well. I mean, Andy was all geared up for that, and uh, Grant didn't uh, do so hot in the PGA betting. I did yeah, fine. It's, it's Majors Week, though, and you asked me for my bets. And I, Granted, I did not tell you the rest of my bets when I got through the border, but the one key name I put in there, put on the green jacket and you didn't you didn't leave money on him so i think that was the first name you said too right i'm pretty sure no i said tiger because like why oh yeah why won't you yeah, bet tiger? Tiger? tiger yeah put the emoji in there that is like scheffler i'm, I'm two. completely honest there were two names that i almost hit and it was uh sanjay m and sky scheffler sanjay that's a good one scheffler uh yeah guys king of the world i, right I did now. not touch it at all though should have man this guy as of february i don't know like mid-february this year he didn't have a single win now he has four. Oh my god and it's he's getting hot at the right time oh my god yeah right before a freaking major are you kidding me i love that video I, I love the video i sent in the, the group chat of the guy betting whether or not scheffler would cry bobby <laughs> fairways oh my god that was so funny <laughs> yeah joey cold cuts oh just going through the plus, line of what was it? <laughs> it was like he like, was like plus three fifty or whatever. That he's not gonna <laughs> that, he, that he won't cry. He's like, what kind of sick explicit of would bet on this? <laughs> uh, that those video guys are was hilarious. so funny. 
I didn't even like I didn't obviously actually no, it's a lie. So JetBlue, you know, actually the one shout out I'll have. They have like their the direct TV put in the back of the seat. So I did watch a little bit of I watched Tiger a little bit while I was on the plane. Yeah, just slapping around. Yeah, not a big deal. I was flipping between that and uh Wicked Tuna. So nice. can I say? Yeah, quality quality television on JetBlue. <laughs> that's my uh that's my old nickname. You know that? Wicked Tuna. I ever tell you that? No. Wick Tuna. Je- Marty used to call me that. Marty used to call you that? Yeah. <laughs> shout out Marty. I don't know. He, hey, definitely hey, does not, he definitely does not. He'll never hear this ever, but shout out Marty. I love you, Marty. <laughs> oh, Marty from the from the tribe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's oh. what I'm saying. Oh, my God. That's my hero. <laughs> love man. that man. Yeah, he's love retired. He's retired? Yeah, clicks. Yeah, there Good we go. Marty. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think uh, we'd be shouting out Marty on a podcast episode, but here we are. I'm not mad <laughs> hey, about he's the it. Best, yeah, he was the best equipment manager I've ever had. Agreed. Yeah, part time. <laughs> part time. Part time. Well, yeah. You know. He had a lot, of, a lot on his plate. He's a busy best, dude. Best, best mustache in the Midwest, I must say. Oh, true, true. That muzzy was always clean. I did. Uh, I did honor. Um, the Sioux Indians by uh, going to Coney Island at the airport. So there's that as Grant nice. and I talked about it all weekend. Uh, it's one of the worst nice. places that you'll ever see <laughs> on the place of the, uh, the face of the earth. I had a pretty good breakfast. I'm not going to lie. Just ask Mr. Tiller about Coney Island and he will give you an earful. Uh, Where did we go? My Chase, first you need to we comment, went... Chase, comment yeah. under this Twitter post of, how much you love Coney Island. <laughs> Where did we go? Um, the one year, the year before you joined us, Grant, or Garth. Frank. It's the uh, Golden Corral. Went to the Golden oh Corral. Oh, God. It was Gross. the worst place. Yeah, we Gross. looked like we, we And the worst part is it was like an Olive Garden, an Outback Steakhouse, like right across the street, in the same parking lot, sorry, like right across oh, the, yeah. the parking lot. And then, of course, like we had to go to Golden Corral and like our coach at the time, Rebs is like, "Yeah, we're never, never leaving the food selection to Corbs ever again." <laughs> like, no, oh, that's so terrible. funny. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> did not expect to talk about that. But that's awesome. Um, yeah, we could. I guess we go into game recaps. Uh, couple surprising wins, especially on a back to back. Is that the first two ba- like two games straight in a back to back that the Red Wings have won this year? No. They beat um they beat Boston and Seattle twice. Yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't count. Yeah, probably not, but Seattle doesn't count. Yeah. But I guess I it's know. Detroit, so maybe it does count. I don't know. Detroit at all... this point of the year, I think I think it counts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, was it yeah, five three win over Boston? Like I was I that was the most fun I had watching uh the Red Wings game in quite some time. Uh, definitely came with its flaws, but um, man, I really loved uh, the grit in this game. Uh, Barshan and Larkin going at each other was hilarious. Uh, man, uh, especially that stuff at the end too. Like, and I went on um, the Q the Duck Boats pod for like the inside of the rink, and I talked. I, I talked about this game and the stat that was going around before that Ken Daniels kept bringing up in the broadcast is the Bruins were. Th- are 39 and two this year versus non-playoff teams. Just like their record against playoff teams is not good this year. 
and the both their losses against non-playoff teams are against the Red Wings. So it's just kind of funny how that works. But uh, no, they finally put Verona with Sedina, and we Verona pulled off magic twice this game. But uh, going through two defenders and then feeding Zadina finally for you know wide open next. That's all it takes. You know <laughs> that's what was needed for Zadina to score. Actually, it was a wide open net. Who would have um, thought? Yeah, who would have thought playing, you know, Verona with skill guys would work? Kind yeah. of a crazy concept. Uh, yeah, also Nadelkovich in this game was fantastic. He faced yeah, 50 shots. 50 shots. That's, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And I really thought Rasmussen started to prove, like, this is kind of like the start of Rasmussen recently. And I just want to say, if this, he keeps this up, like, middle, Man, six, middle is- six winger. Yeah. That hit to start the game on Lindholm. I was like, he was moving his feet and he just pinned him. I was like, oh, there we go. Like that's what, he, that's what I've been asking. That's what I've been asking him to do all season long, and he finally did it. I was like, there we go. <laughs> and Lindholm's not a small guy either. He's like six three, two twenty. He's a big boy. Exactly, and he pinned him like truck him. And it's not like he's doing anything special, right? He's just doing what he should be doing. Exactly. It's nice to see finally, though. I'm going to go off topic a little bit because there's big news. Uh, Drew Doughty's out for the rest of the year. Oh, boy. Like playoffs, too. Yeah, he's out till next season, resurgery. I thought that was yeah, yeah enough enough to interrupt that, but that's pretty big for yeah. LA. Um, anyway, kind of little breaking news in the pod. Um, but, yeah, it started off pretty bad this game, though. Like, uh, the second goal was a shorthanded goal where the Bruins had three grade-A opportunities and Brandon Carlo, a defenseman, scored. Off a rebound yeah. on a shorthanded. Yeah. Pretty pathetic. Um, yeah, the Eric Hollow one, that was bad. It was a bad play by Larkin at the blue that led to the chance, and then Bertuzzi didn't catch him. Which has kind of been a theme for a little bit for that top line of late. It's like kind of playing weak on D, and we'll get into the Columbus game too, because obviously like, I have some thoughts on that. But uh, yeah, Cider also hit 40 assists this game, which unbelievable i mean i could talk about that all day um yeah i really liked this game and the stuff at the end it kind of just shows that we still care it started off by bleed you know going after gus i don't know it was going after zadina and then gus stepped in and then all hell broke loose and then studnika had the unfortunate um (laughs) matchup versus michael rasmussen and got ragdolled to the ice which was pretty funny I just wanted Ross to drop his gloves there, though. That wasn't like, that was uh, uh, that wasn't uh, Studnika. That was uh, McLaughlin. Yeah. Oh, it was. McLaughlin. Yeah. Welcome to the league, kid. Yeah. Also, I want to note that both the first goals stemmed from Dylan Larkin being impatient and forcing passes. Yeah, and like I passes. I agree, and like I I forgot the second one was yeah. That's right. It was the entry in the power play as well. The entry yeah. of the power play in through uh, unnecessary pass into Bertuzzi's feet, and then the other one was Bertuzzi had three guys on him, and then I don't know. It's a tough one to even come close to catching. I feel like this is this is like a habit that he had early on in his career where he'd like kind of like wheel behind the net and then throw it in front for hoping for a pass, like when he'd use his speed all the time. But he hasn't like done this like all year, and then now all of a sudden it's kind of like started to creep into his game. I'd say the past couple of weeks when the Red Wings have haven't been playing great, and they've kind of been. I don't know if it's again. It stems back to the coaching and developing bad habits down the end. I don't know. It could be that, and I'm more than willing to blame Blashell. But 
I have noticed it in Larkin's game specifically with the yeah. rushing of passes, especially on offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, um, I, I agree with that. I mean, that one comes down to a, a player's, I think, in a sense, like the player itself. I wouldn't say necessarily Blashell. He's a veteran player. He's not a young rookie player. He should know when to throw it to the front of the net, when to keep it, when to rag it, when to eat it, whatever, yeah. by now, especially if he's going to be a number one centerman. That's got nothing to do with coaching. That's just the player yeah. itself. I'm trying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm trying, I'm trying to I, That's just not <laughs> – you can't defend that. No, no that one sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give Blashville the slide on that. Maybe stylistically, you know, help give him some support maybe. But Down the stretch, Larkin, like you had just brought up, has been falling off drastically defensively. And, and in the Ozone with – Turnover wise, in my eyes, I don't know what the stats are on that, but I no, they support like... they support it. Okay, if you look I at feel... especially the especially the Columbus game, which we can get into, but like the uh, hockey, um, oh my god, the the you know like oh my god, I'm gonna butcher this, but I'll find it anyway. I'll get back to it for the Columbus game, but yeah, no, the numbers do support that. Don't lark it. The whole first line's been bad defensively. Yeah, yeah. supports. Um, also. In this game, uh, Jacob Verona, his goal was sick. He's a bad man. Yeah. He is, th- th- his hands were so close together when he shot that puck and it rifled top shelf. It looked like he was taking a, a golf swing. It, it did. It looked, or, or like a baseball swing, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, that's what it literally looked like. His hands, his gloves were touching, I swear to God. It, like, his release was so quick on that. Like, the shot wasn't fast, but the release was quick. And I think that's what threw Swyman off so much was his hand positioning. Because it doesn't look like he's going to shoot. It looks like he's going to keep going wide. Because most players would do that. But Jacob Verona is such a talented shooter where he's able yeah, to yeah. do that. It's still so ridiculous to me that he's averaging, like, 14 minutes a game. Yeah. It's, see, now that you can blame on Blasio. Like where he's like his numbers five on five are absolutely ridiculous and she should be playing way more minutes five on five. I understand in games like where you don't get a lot of power plays that there there's less ice time for him, right? But and you're not gonna play him shorthanded because he's not a defensive wizard, but he still needs to be playing five on five as he's the only Matthews has scored more goals per sixty on five on at five on five. And he has fifty and fifty, so I I guess I I, I see <laughs> There is a big point to be had at, like I'd said, at least 16 minutes a night you should be playing. But when you get into a game like this one, there was penalties across the board. I think Boston had four power plays, and they went 0 for 4, so that takes up eight minutes there. And he should not touch the ice during a power or a penalty kill ever. No. Unless he's in the box. <laughs> Unless it's three on three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Actually, even then, even then I wouldn't put him out there because it's I don't trust him to get back. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. No, I agree completely. But, but even though, so like, as you said, like at this time of year, obviously, so like going on with his like defensive habits, how poor they are maybe per se. Um, like this is the time of year where if you're coaching staff, maybe you put them out there in a defensive zone face off to like tell them, be like, Hey, like you're going to get this ice time, but you have to earn it for next season. So like to show us you can, we can trust you in those spots. You know what I mean? And also like, like we're mathematically eliminated if we get right. scored on big whoop. Right. So like, I don't know, like 
don't know, I can go in so off so many different directions with it, but like assuming Blashell knows that he's not going to be back next year, maybe he's just saying, screw it, I'm just going to go with what got me here. Maybe. You know? But at the same time, if I'm like Steve, I'm like, well, maybe we want to try and like develop for a worst case scenario, develop some defensive game in this player's, some two way game in this player's uh, repertoire. I think, you know, if you're down two or three goals or you're up two or three, I don't know. Well, yeah, because losses don't matter. So even no matter what the score is, really, throw him out there once a period for a shift like that. See how he does. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm game for it. I think. At this point in the season, you should be playing your best players in different situations and challenging them a little bit for next season. The guys who you're going to build the team around. And I have noticed I'm going to a nice little transition into the next game where I've thought at the beginning of the season, um, so going into Winnipeg back-to-back, uh, going into the season, Dylan Larkin rarely played penalty kill. And now down the stretch, he's been one of the most commonly used forwards in the penalty kill, and I thought he's been fantastic right. in the penalty kill. Uh, I mean, he sets up Gagne for that first goal. It was Gagne's 500th point too, which until that until that point in the game, the Red Wings are getting outplayed big time. And I thought Thomas Grice, this is one of his best games of of the year. Okay, I'm gonna back off here a little bit here. I know you don't want to say. I do not think Larkin has been fabulous on the penalty kill. I think he makes a lot of errors, uh, overcommitting on passes and overcommitting on his guy when he could just be a lot more steady. I, I am, I do like the offensive side to have that on the penalty kill. And I think uh, recently we've seen that he can create it. There's three guys on the team that can create offense off the penalty kill that we play. And that's uh Suter, Bertuzzi and Larkin. And Suter's good at picking off passes and creating like odd man rushes which I think you need some of that on the penalty kill that creates energy and mm-hmm. especially in a home t- home game, like the crowd gets into it then. Uh, so yes, I, I see where you're coming from, but I think he's been good offensively on the penalty kill, but defensively <laughs> not great. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I am overlooking some things, but again, I think, uh, I think that adds a different element to a penalty kill with a guy's skating ability like Larkin as yeah. like, where, where the penalty kill lacked like true speed or anything when like let's say you could try to create offense because i mean again like i love so jeff merrick has like this idea where I, I like by the way i can talk about jeff merrick's like crazy ideas all the time but like he has this idea where change the penalty kill into more of a power kill so in the sense if you score a shorthanded goal the other team's power plays over and well, so like that would incentivize so that incentivize <laughs> they, more in goal scoring I love that right? idea. Okay. Is, is they it go awesome? The, yeah, they go on the penalty kill next instead with Ooh, the time remaining is, on the clock. <laughs> that'd be awesome. You, you flip-flop. Yeah. That'd yeah. be crazy. Well, so, like, so, like, let's say you score, like, a minute like minute into their power play. So then we have a – so then Detroit would have a minute power play. That'd be wild. Gary <laughs> Bettman, what's your number? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I do I have an idea for you. But, yeah, like, I, I've always, like, thought, like, there should be more incentive for a penalty kill to try to get a little – because they could create goals both ways, like, defensive team would get more aggressive trying to like cheat on a play or something and you, and you have more goals power play wise and then vice versa if you do end up on a two-on-one break like that's going to create more goals for the defensive team so i don't know i've always thought about that and like i really love that idea but i uh, well, kind of going back going back to uh, oh, what were you gonna say i i just i like your idea though of larkin on the penalty kill 
And I think with a, I there's, I think of a guy like Marner and how dominant he is on the penalty kill, and they both and Marner really uses his speed, and he's just a lot more patient than Larkin is. Larkin over commits on stuff, so that's something that if he can t- tune that in. But I mean, and also depending how you look at the team as well, like. I don't know. I'm not like, I don't think Lorcan's a great power play player. I think he's an okay power play guy. So maybe when like we have another centerman, like another top six centerman, maybe Larkin's a power play two guy. And yeah, then he's I, getting I less minutes. He's getting, he's getting less minutes in the power play, let's say. And then he can, he has more minutes on the PK. I've said from the start, I think you have four elite power play guys that you need to take advantage of. And Larkin's not one of them. Yeah, Verona, Cider, Raymond, and Bertuzzi you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, another guy who who's turning out like he's putting out great efforts, and I totally – I love how he was put on the first line. But, again, back to the uh, Michael Rasmussen just proving people wrong again. Because, I mean, at what, the midway point okay. this year – No, okay. All right. Hear me that, that's a bit. <laughs> just listen to me, okay? All right. He is proving people wrong from our perception of him early on in the season. I think we reacted too heavily on how much he sucked. And I, I do think, like, he's not going to be this top six forward. But I do think he has, like, he's shown that, like, hey, he can be a bottom six winger who bring provides energy and possibly is a power play two guy. Yeah. I, I do and I... I don't. I mean, he showed major inconsistencies down the stretch. I think having him on wing has been very beneficial to him, gives him more freedom and doesn't have to worry about defense, defense, defense. And when he does worry about defense, 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 he plays terrible. And we've seen that he's terrible on both sides of the puck. And I thought he's been better defensively on the wing and better offensively on the wing. Do I think he's a power play guy? Like you said, maybe a PP2 guy. I don't think he has any hands at all in front of the net. So I think you have way more value having a guy like Bertuzzi there and you can find like another guy to put there. Elmer. Elmer maybe. And the whole idea of having him on the penalty kill when he was a defensive center, defensive center. uh, I like the idea of trying that and they've gotten away from it because he was bad at it. Now, I would like to see them take another stab at it that you're throwing him on wing more because I think he's getting his confidence finally. And I think, like I said, like we said about Larkin, he can be a guy that can be dangerous on the penalty kill. He has a very big, big reach and he's got speed. He's not quick, but he's got his stick makes up for a lot of room. Yeah, I noticed. I've even noticed more like the way he he's winning way more board battles. Like he's able to chip pucks out and kind of like chip and chase, like from the defensive zone into the neutral zone, and he's creating more odd man rushes. But I mean, in his goal, like his goal of this game, uh, just right in front where like what he was, you know, the prototype of him, not the prototype, but the uh, scouting report of him go, coming out of junior was he is this net front guy. He's kind of been like he's been scoring more of those goals. I mean, at this point in the after this game, he and nine games on the wing, he had five points for like four goals. I mean, very small sample size. I'm not trying to. Yeah, um, it's just not the net front that we thought it would be on the power. Right. Play. No, no, no. I agree. 
I'm just I'm just trying to like but going to the dirty areas is something that he has not done and at 6-6 it makes zero sense to me why he's never done that and so having him uh go to the dirty areas now uh I mean I guess personally I'm not even happy about it I demo like okay you should have been doing that two years ago yeah, I mean, I guess you're just like glass half empty on this. We're like, I'm always glass half, half empty. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm deciding to take the wins where you can get them at this point in the season, and I like the steps that Rasmussen's t- taken the set the second half of the year, where I think especially the 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 last couple of weeks where the Red Wings were so abysmal, I thought he's been one of our better forwards. Yeah, consistency wise, night yes. and night out, look, he's you're getting like the he- same thing from him finally. Yeah, it looks like he's moving his feet more often every night in, night out. Laying maybe not like a big check, but getting his body on someone else's body, going to the net front and kind of going in the corners a little bit, a lot more than what we saw the first half of the season at least. And like you said, when he like we said that I've said this a bunch of times after we saw his first stint back on the wing, I like him a lot better on the wing, and. I don't know. It just makes more sense to me to have him on a wing because he's proven that he plays better. He looks like he's more comfortable there and stuff as well. So his steps that he's taken the second half, especially the last month, six weeks or so, have been nice to see at least. And they've been <clears throat> reassuring, I'd say, like uh, refreshing, maybe to say. Yeah, refreshing um, would be the better. Yeah, re- refreshing is not reassuring because you have to put that in a full 82 game season night in night out year after year mm-hmm. then that then that'd be reassuring right no i've i have really liked what i've seen from rasmussen and again i think they're finally using him and again it's the it's the wing i it's cool that he's good at, good at face-offs but that doesn't make you a center to be good at face-offs what I mean, is his like all-time percentage on face-offs i think this year he's 45. around no this year he's around 52 Okay. I'm saying really? talking career last. Yeah, I mean, last last year, I think he got like torched on faceoffs. But I think yeah. remember at the end of the season, he was working out with faceoff. He was working on it with faceoff master Luke Glendening. So best coach there is. Hey, Glendening uh, was put in overtime the other night for the Stars. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, they it's play funny him on the first changed. line sometimes. I know. That's so weird. I'm like, whoa. Good for Luke. No, yeah, man, yeah, happy for Luke, but oh my god, it's one like I look at Blaschel and I'm like, yeah, he's not a good coach, and I look at Rick Bonus, I'm like, oh, he's not a good coach either. You know, yeah, game recognized game. Good team. Yeah, actually, yeah, and he actually has a decent team. He hates playing Dennis Gurionov, who's like one of the most talented players when he's on. Yeah. It's just it's hard for him to be consistent. He'd be a guy I want man, the Red Wings to target. He reminds me a lot of Double A. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. True. Even I, mean, uh, I kind of like him. They were just saying they weren't even like really playing Rupe Hints a whole lot the other night too, and like he's like <laughs> yeah, he's actually like unreal. Like he's, he's one of the better forwards. Yeah, like but he wasn't playing like every other time it was Ben Sagan and <clears throat> who else do they have? Um, Radulov again. They put that line back together and they did absolutely. <laughs> what I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, Radulov got put back on the first line for a little bit. I was like, okay, well. And like Hints wasn't hurt, like he was on the bench. I was like, all right, he was up there for his power play time and stuff like that. But what the hell did he do to get in the doghouse? Weird. Um, I did yeah. have a little note here. I was so uh, Blake Wheeler made it two one at this point at at one point in the game. So I'm kind of going backwards, and I I have like in all caps 
by God, that's Jeff Blaschel's music when he challenged. I kind of just imagine the John Cena. And when Jeff Blaschel looks at the, the, the board, he's about to challenge. Um, I did like at the the post game where they they gave Gagne the puck, but like in the um, the coach when Blashell came in to talk to the guys, he did like shout out the video coach of how clutch of a challenge that was because I mean it changed the game. Yeah, obviously. So I mean that was that was kind of cool. But yeah, I I did like the the memes going around about Jeff Blashell only only being a good. He, we should just keep him around to challenge calls, or we just keep the video coach ultimately because he's the one making. Yeah, why would we need Blashell? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm gonna say <laughs> that. True. Yeah, true. Some awkward silence there. Um. Yeah, Sam Gagne, two goal game though. Finishes the empty netter. He's hot. He's hot right now. Five hundred career point. Five five oh one right because it he got well, the yeah he yeah. had his milestone what an that, apple but... from Ned though in the prior game oh yeah the Boston okay. game I totally forgot to mention that thank you yeah. I got yeah. I got something I want to talk about guys I, I said it to Garth slightly the other day um I hate the way Alex Nedeljkovic plays the puck and I am not kidding. I think it is way more dangerous than it is good. I mean, it's it bites. It's bitten the Red Wings in the ass probably three times, four times maybe this year. He is way overconfident, in my opinion. I I like the subtle. The subtle. He's really quick to jump out and stop a puck. He's probably the quickest in the league to do that, and I love that. But when it comes to dangerous plays behind your own net and just shoving up the boards, just dead nothing, it's almost a turnover every time. Like, let your D go get the puck and then stay in position. Mm-hmm. And know who else was a king of that uh, early early in his career? Don't, don't talk about him. I know exactly what you're going to say. Who? Petter. Petter? Peter. No, Peter. No. Oh, I thought you were going to no. give me flashbacks to Game 7 versus Tampa Bay. Oh, my Bay. gosh. That's no, no, what no, I'm no. scared that's, of. That's, that's, like, that's a good one, too. But, no, I remember, like, first stretch there when we always had hockey tournaments in Detroit, we'd always go watch the Wings play, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember it was, like, it was the first year Winnipeg was back in the league, and we sat there. Jimmy Howard came out and played every single puck behind All right, the yeah. Jimmy Howard was always forward at playing the puck. Yeah, yeah. but, like, but like, he just eventually just – like started just going out there to stop the puck and let the D pick oh, up. Yeah, but, like yeah. he clued in, but like he would try and send it up the middle. And like I remember, like Andrew Ladd caught one in the teeth. <laughs> like I was like, it was like it was like the guy was like six feet away from him. And he shot right at Andrew Ladd's face and Ladd ended up burying on it. I think I'm pretty sure. Hilarious. Or he got the assist. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, this guy cannot play the puck, and that's kind of like he always thought like he could, but no, he can't. The, the problem with Nelkovic is he loves playing the puck. It's like, okay, well, got to rein it back in a little bit. Yeah, right. I understand it to an extent. Like, it just gets really scary for me. And I think yeah, like, he overplays. Like, have you seen the way – I guess they don't do it as much as Nadelkovich, but they are so bad at it, and they do it way too much. Uh, Mikko Koskinen and Mike Smith both play the puck way too freaking much. Yeah. Well, Smith, Smith – yeah, I mean, Smith has – two career goals so like but uh <laughs> but dude he is shaky back there yeah yeah um, yeah i do think that i do think there's a concern but i do like how you mentioned as well that he's very quick to get back to the puck and set it up for his defenseman which i do appreciate yeah. well even maybe coming is, out of the net to go 
receive yeah. a puck. I like, like that especially a on the yeah. especially on the power play. Well, play. Yeah, that saves so lot. much time. He's yeah. a good power play goalie. Yeah, he's running. He's running from the back end. It sounds it's not really, like it's, not sh- it's not showing on the stat wise, but he's a great power play goalie. Just yeah. like that comment. That comment it's a six on back- four. The comment in the vacuum, Grant, is so like funny. Like he's a good power play goalie. Like insinuating that like he can only make saves on a power play because there's not getting any. You know, there's not that many chances coming against him. But I mean, against for Detroit, I, I should guess I should say that Brandon no, no, I, I, scored on him the other night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on the penalty kill. Let's try to end it. That's kind of what I was joking about. But man, oh, it's funny. But yeah, uh, Connor Hellebuck also had Jacob Verana's number this game, as Verana probably could have had a hat trick, and Connor Hellebuck came up big a bunch of times. He's unbelievable so good and winnipeg's defense yeah. is so tragic yeah like hellebuck is is unbelievable in my opinion like put him somewhere else with some, like even a half decent defensive core yeah that team that team could be and like like a solid like core up front that team could he could squeak them out a lot of wins they probably give Especially up like, as much as detroit does in retrospect yeah yeah they're not oh, probably sure. they're they have a bunch of number four, like where Detroit only has one number one defenseman and then maybe like two bottom pair defensemen. Uh, Winnipeg is all number fours, yeah. If that, I, I mean, yeah, so I mean, what, what would you rather, I suppose? <laughs> and that's I'd say Heronics and Heronics a number four. Uh, Josh know. Morrissey is no better than Heronic. No, I know it's, that that's my point. I said they have and a couple Josh, number- Josh Morrissey's their number one defenseman, and he's horrendous. Like, I like Nate Schmidt, but he's a number four. I think yeah. Brendan Dillon brings value in a bottom pair. I think he's a not bad. I like Neil Pionk. I think he's a number three. Neil Pionk's the only guy I like. Yeah, again, and not not as a top pairing. But I, so I, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I think, like, Nate Schmidt could be an interesting one for the Red Wings, but yeah. Anywho, getting off of this game and potential fits for the Red Wings, I keep saying them, but uh, the game of probably we can talk about the most is uh, Columbus as we were in Detroit. Grant and I were in Detroit this past weekend. We wish uh, Andy could have been there, but I don't. Yeah, I was too, I was too busy watching uh, Scotty Scheffler win. Yeah, we got to plan. We got to plan a, a weekend with us three in Detroit, but not during the Masters because Andy wouldn't be there. I can, yeah, no, no golf tournaments, please. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 uh, we'll coordinate with that. But, uh, we can go to a golf tournament if you guys want. I'll, I'll be down. Yeah. Go to the Ryder Cup in Sheboygan. Yeah. Well, that was last this past year, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. We came, uh, uh, we came in on Friday and it was, uh, opening day at Comerica and whole, the people were out and the city was buzzing. There was so many, there was a couple drunk fights we saw. It's pretty great. Love to see it. Um, man, a lot, whole, of puke. a lot of puke. Oh, there was a couple guys yakking outside the bars. We were walking around. It was hilarious. Um, you I like to see the guy disgusting, but <laughs> I think it's funny, but whatever. Um, I thought the cops were funny. They're just like riding the horses around and <laughs> our sister yelling oh. at them what the horses names were. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, Saturday for the game. Um, it's funny. We went to uh, we went to a bar right before. It was not far from Little Caesars. We went right before, and uh, all of a sudden, this guy walks into Columbus uh, pullover, and he says, uh, "Table for eight for Warinsky." Is uh, is his dad? No, no. Just just getting a res at the bar. And there's a bunch of any uh, 
there was this Columbus fan at the bar wearing a Wierenski jersey. And he just went up to the fan and he's like, hey, great jersey. And just walked away. <laughs> but like, I don't think the fan knew who he was, which is even funnier. No. I just caught it in the back of my, like, I, I caught it behind me as he's talking to the host. He's like, yeah, uh, table for eight for Wierenski. And I, I'm like, I'm right away. It's like, it has to be him. Like, who else would it be? Right. And I'm like, that's just, that's right. so funny. Um, but no, it was, yeah, it was really cold in Detroit too. Like Grant was, Grant was, we were waiting to get in. We were, Grant was freezing his ass off. Yeah. Which was really funny. Not fun. Um, it was like, I think it was like 30 degrees with like wind chill and it was windy. So it was not fun. We were standing outside for a little bit because we got there kind of early. Yeah. And nothing. I figured that we figured the team store would be open before the game, but they don't open until the arena opens, which is really interesting. I feel like if they wanted to make more money. That's but, silly. Yeah, but I guess like not having enough staff maybe is the issue. I don't know. I don't know the reasons, but um, anywho, yeah, the game itself, um, 5-4 overtime loss, um, really boring start, but it got real fun. And the like Grant said, the atmosphere was a lot of fun. And again, I said it was listed as a sellout. I don't know if it actually was, but it, I mean, it was pretty close. Um, the biggest thing for me in this game would have been the uh, the refereeing. Or I should say officiating. Refereeing isn't really a great word for that, but uh, pretty horrid. Hey, Grant? Yeah, not great. Um, we had blatant hit from behind on Joe Valeno that went uncalled. And we can go into overtime where, I mean, the Rasmussen one was kind of questioned. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think, I think that was that the right should, call. That should not have been called, yeah. No, but like there was, who was the other? Was it Pew Suter was the other one mm-hmm. that got tripped? Um, obviously, the thing with Larkin and Merce Leakins. That was questionable, and Larkin and Bertuzzi, the ones that come out of penalty, come out, come with pen, out of, come out with penalties on that. Uh, ridiculous. I don't think so. I think I, I thought so at first, and then the more I thought about that one, Larkin should have avoided that. There's he no, just saying, went right into. I'm not saying for Larkin. I think Larkin that was the right call, but I'm talking about Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi was throwing punches. Him and Gavrikov were the only really throwing punches, and then the rest. You should call that initial penalty on Larkin because he did not avoid that. That was a dumb penalty to take, granted, with that time left, too, by him. Mm-hmm. And then he literally basically got jumped. And then, which I think is understandable at that time, you should get jumped if you run over a goalie. Yeah. And then uh, Bertuzzi came in, and he was kind of throwing some haymakers on Gavrikov. That was awesome. That was awesome. So, I mean, him and Gavrikov should both go. Yeah. But yeah, oh my god, yeah. Going back to the start of this game too, like it didn't. Grant bet the over for this game, and Grant was quite nervous sitting in his seat that the Red Wings weren't. It wasn't going to be an over because it was a slow start to the game. I mean, Columbus scored kind of early, like kind of early. It was somewhat in the first. It was yeah, it was in the first period, like halfway through, and uh, kind of going back to the conversation about Dylan Larkin in the first line earlier. Uh, it started with Danny DeKaiser not getting out of the zone, and it kind of led led to the first line getting hemmed in, but then Dylan Larkin threw an abs- like an awful pass up the middle. It was or was it to the side of the board to produce and it bounced back? No, if it's the if it's Roslovic's goal. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, so because I had watched the highlights today. <clears throat> Larkin got on the half wall and then he had the two guys already blew the zone. And mm-hmm. he tried hitting the guy in the middle, which okay, whatever, but I would if like Hindsight should have threw up the wall because that D had backed off just to at least mm-hmm. clear the zone. But what happened is uh, Orensky gave him a little stick check as he was passing it, and then Roslovic just reached out and picked it up and turned around and scored. Yeah, looking back at uh, the hockey stack card, the, what I was talking about before, 
the three, uh, the five worst players, I think it's uh, it's goes in this conversation because they were all on the ice for this goal. Uh, the worst would be Tyler Bertuzzi defensively. Actually, no, Dylan Larkin was worse defensively by the chart, barely, but uh, Bertuzzi was worse on offense. That's what gives him the worst grade. Uh, Sider, Raymond, and then DeKaiser were all the worst players for Detroit this game. Uh, so how does standpoint. that work offensively that Bertuzzi is the worst like how, how what goes into these stats? I, I honestly don't know. I I don't know. From I need to I want to do more research on it, but um, I I I understand the def- defensive one, but the offensive one I because like early on that that line created they, like, offense created so many chances. Bertuzzi probably could have had two open net goals. Yes, yeah. So I kind of agree. And then Larkin also scored, so that one confuses me as well. Because uh, I don't know how much uh, that's and then defensively that line has been abysmal lately. Yeah, and. Uh, yep, I agree. But yes, yeah, uh, yeah DeKaiser and Sider also in there, which I mean, I guess isn't that surprising. But also, I was really bummed that Jake Wallman was out of the lineup due to an injury. I was really looking forward to seeing him live, but whatever. I been the I think the defense missed him a little bit, but um, I thought Jordan Osterley stepped in pretty well. Like he couple of, he had uh, two assists, I think it was. No, yeah, one I thought assist. he played really good. Also, you should note that Larkin and Bertuzzi were minus fours. They're minus fours this game. Yes. So Raymond, I think Raymond was only minus two this game. I think Raymond was a minus two. Cider was a minus two, and the Kaiser was a minus two. Wow. Also, Gus Lindstrom and Jordan Osterley plus, plus three. Three. I did see that. Not bad. Not bad. Quick, quick, quick question about Wallman. How many is he? Was he only missing this game against Columbus? Yeah, yeah, he he's he's back practicing with um, Lindstrom today. Okay, because he had to play. What was it? Seventeen of the nineteen remaining games. Yeah, well, he only missed the one. I thought okay. he could miss yeah. three. No, he can only miss two. I, okay. There's two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the third yeah, one. I think I think it was from the Boston and Winnipeg games. He was eating a lot of pucks. And yeah, in, probably, are, yeah. do injuries exempt him of that? I don't no, know. No, they don't. I don't think so. Because technically he wasn't he wasn't put on reserve grant. He was technically a scratch. Because they didn't have to because like if he's only for uh whatever day-to-day injury, you don't put someone on IR because that yeah. g- takes you off the roster for a week. Um right. so that'd be the reason why he was because li- at first it showed up as a scratch and nobody knew because nobody announced that he was injured. So I was like, this is garbage. He's been one of our best defensemen, but uh yeah. Um and if you want to keep your restraints on him, you don't want to want to waste right. the game. And I think I think it's a pretty clear message, especially from like how I mean he's been playing like roughly 18 minutes a night, and he's been playing very well. I think I think the message is very clear from Eisman that he's gonna he's gonna be an RFA. Right. That's what they he's, want. He's the second best defenseman on the Red Wings right now. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. the third is Gus Lindstrom. Yes, which is saying something because he's been pretty awful the last last couple of weeks. Yeah. Besides this game, I thought he looked good. I was pretty pumped with Gus this game. I thought it'd he be funny well. like. The best part about that is, that, like, if someone asked like a year ago today, who the Red Wings' top three defensemen are going <laughs> or this year are, or no, like even like a year and a half ago, so because people would have an idea of who Lindstrom was and Wallman, an idea, but not many people know Cider either. But a year and a half ago, someone asked a Red Wings fan who like the top three defensemen are or something like that. You go uh, Cider, Wallman, and Lindstrom. They're like, right. Like, who the hell are they? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, everyone, yeah. I think a couple of years ago, too, people were pretty down on Gus Lindstrom because he was playing in the Al Svenskin. 
which yeah. nobody really had that many eyes on him, and he wasn't score like he like he, he's not going to be a scorer at all. But he had like five points in like forty games, and, and like that, it's really hard to find statistics on like defensive metrics in Sweden. So everyone's also, like, William bust. Wallinder had one goal, five assists in like forty four games in the Allsvenskan last year, and this year he jumped up to like twenty, 20 points in yeah. forty games or whatever he did. Yeah, something like more that. than forty, it's, almost yeah, 50. It's crazy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, back to this game. Uh, everyone kind of just, like everything woke up when Jacob Verana just toasted Vladislav Gavrikov, who's an underrated defenseman in my mind. And oh, he's, I think he's he's an elite goal scorer. I don't think that's a hot take for me to say. He is so much fun to watch, and I was really glad. Like he had quite a game. That whole that whole line I thought looked really. I thought Pew Suter had a really strong game too, to be honest. Me too. Um, which I was like, I think, yeah, past couple of games, as soon as I kind of called them out for not being good, it's weird. It seems like I'd call people out and they'd start playing better. We have a lot of listeners. We do. Yeah. Many places. Pew Suter. Uh, also Pew Suter wasn't r- r- good right away when we called him out. He, he's been still bad. We've been calling him out for the last month. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like making a joke or whatever, but yeah. um, no, I'm yeah. Jake, serious here, Grant. Come on. Yeah, I, I yeah, was Jacob. just making sure Garth knew that we were calling <laughs> yeah, him yeah. way before he changed. His yeah, name. yeah, yeah. No, we've been all over that Pew Suter change. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because I want yeah, still want Joe Valeno as the second line center, but whatever, not gonna happen, I guess. But uh, yeah, Jacob Jacob Verana uh, took a little page out of Michael Rasmussen's book, going the uh, sneaky five hole shot. Love to see it. Used his speed too. Oh, well, he's I I love that shot too because he's. Mm-hmm. The way he blew around Gavrikov, uh, he didn't have a lot of space. I mean, he had so much space to gain on him that once he finally passed him, he didn't have a lot of space to open up and shoot. Right. He kind of had to shoot off his back foot. And at that point, you can't really pick a corner or anything. And so you just throw a five hole. That's what all yeah. you can do there. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, we also had uh, Sam Gagne staying hot this game too. I mean, he misses a wide-open chance. And then he eventually gets it back from a elite playmaker, Mark Stahl. Okay. Uh, he also made that wide open chance himself. He just, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he dangled. I was happy to see, No, no, no. I agree. I was happy to see him get rewarded for his hard work, yeah. but like, I was like, dude, come on, Sam. And then immediately like 10 seconds later, he gets it back and scores, which honestly great vision by Stahl. I'm, was I was being sick pass. It was awesome. And then uh, the Red Wings, you know, casually just fell apart. I mean, Cole Sillinger, Scored off of uh, Lucas Raymond not finding not finding him on the four on four. He was just wide open. Uh, and then we had another Jack Rossovic goal, and then we had Justin Danforth score, which yeah, cool. Um, and it was a four two game, and I I really thought that was over. Like I, I thought they were gonna get the empty netter, and I thought Grant was gonna hit his over with the five two loss. But uh, Dylan Larkin scored from a kind of a weird fadeaway shot that he sometimes does, and it, it went in. And I was like, oh, maybe. And then Jacob Verana off the faceoff just turns and shoots so quick, and Merzlikens has no chance to set up there. Again, he's such a special scorer. That's now 18 goals his first 27 games as a Red Wing, I think, if I'm not mistaken. No, 20, no, 25 games as a Red Wing, I think. Oh, no, 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 excuse me. No, 27, 27, I was right. Is that good? Yeah. He has a chance well, to be the, is not 25 is 
No, 27. Yeah, 25 is good. 27 is not good. Yeah, 27, he's bad. But no, yeah, he, has a, he has a legitimate chance to be the fastest Red Wing to score 20 goals in games played. So my biggest thing is, I, I know we pound the usage idea of Jacob Verona and being misused. I don't know if that's a thing. Okay, hear me out. Okay. In his past, he's been like an even goals and assists guy, right? A little bit more goals usually. Lately, since he's joined Detroit, he has been all goals, which they've had trouble getting out of players in the recent years. This year, they've been scoring a lot more. But uh, Jacob Brana is doing that nearly every game. He's scoring at a ridiculous rate. He has 10 goals in 16 games this year, and I think he had 8 and 11 last year. Correct. And last year, before he joined the Red Wings, he had 11 and 39, I want to say, in Washington. That sounds right. So 11 and 39 to this year where he has 10 and 16. Yeah. And then he had 8 and 11 in Detroit last year when he first joined. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I understand the usage idea of, we need to get him more minutes, but the usage idea of him being played in the right situations, I think he is. I just think we need to, there needs to be a way that the coaching staff finds a way to get him out there more. Yeah. I don't I'm know. If like, you... I want to look at, I need to do more research on his five on five ice time versus other players. And then I can really like, here's where he should be, you know, a, B and C. Cause it's really easy to look at the lineup. Cause I know, I know the minutes off the top of my head. Cause I like, Oscar Sundquist played almost 17 minutes this game, and Jacob Verona played a little over, I think he played 14 and a half. And it's really off the top of your head, it's really easy to be like, oh, why isn't Verona getting that ice time? But uh, there was four penalty kills, I'm pretty sure, the Red Wings had, and Oscar Sundquist is a good penalty killer. So that's where those minutes are, those are that's like four minutes of ice time right there. Right? There was only two penalty kills, I think. Oh, well, hmm. but Interesting. that's Oscar still two Sundquist, minutes. Two minutes there. Yeah, then... still two minutes right there. And they've had him on the power play, too. Yeah, which, I mean, you can argue whether or not that's a good idea. But Well, I, I don't know who else you throw out there, quite frankly. There's right. Besides Joe Valeno. Yeah, that'd yeah. be the guy. And he's been playing – has he been playing second? Did he play second unit this game? No. It's Ra- yeah. it's uh, Rasmussen. Yeah, he should be that up front, there. And, and Pew Suter. So, yeah, so no, he should be over. Power play? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's first unit. Is he in front of the net? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the only place I'd say you could put him because he's. Yeah, he's he's been with that unit since uh, the Boston game because he's in front where for Larkin's goal there. That's right. That's um, right. I remember that now. That's right. Yeah. So again, with Verona, I do agree that like he seems to do better against the the second and third lines he plays against versus if we were to give him top line minutes, it could be argued whether or not that's going to translate that production. Right. Ultimately, we haven't seen it. Like we haven't seen him actually play in that position so we can't really know so maybe like to kind of go back to andy's thing earlier when he's talking about Verona, being put in defensive situations give him that ice time and see what happens down the stretch i understand i, I understand what you're saying completely granted and it makes total sense but to even give that opportunity like we talked about it last week how we'd like to see verona with larkin i i'd like to see because i mean right now that top line for me it's not cutting it so yeah i i like where you're coming from there uh he was completely sheltered in Washington, which yep. he hasn't been since he's gotten here. He's still sheltered a bit, like you said, but 
the progression that's came from being unsheltered to sheltered because he was putting up like some of the best numbers ever in sheltered minutes. Uh, they've really similar to the surgeons of Jordan Cairo. Once he got more minutes, so he's done. He's kind of slipped a little bit recently, but uh, I think now's the time you should be playing him in every situation except penalty kill. Uh, he's just not a penalty killer. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Again, we're kind of just like trying to be, we're trying to be a little fun. We're, it's a little bit tongue in cheek with it, but um, yeah, I, I get it completely. Like that, but this whole thing also stems back to like me earlier in the year saying, try Giovanni, try developing Smith as a penalty killer as well. Like, why wouldn't you just use this? Why wouldn't you use this time to develop, to see what you have in these players at least? See if you can get that little bit of defensive awareness, defensive game from Verona. And, I, mean, I also called, to, I called it to yeah. Grant that we were going to see, uh, we, we were going to see Mitchell Stevens return. Oh, yeah. So the last game, the last game I went to, last ribbing game I went to, was a week before he broke his ankle, and then the next game I go to, fifty-five games later, he uh, he gets back in the lineup. So I just think that's really funny. Also, I had an assist. how do he look out there? He looked good. I mean, he barely he didn't play that much, but uh, I thought he looked good. He had some energy. Oh, uh, that fourth, I did kind of like that fourth line, to be honest. It looked like uh, he was missing a step a bit from previous, which was completely understandable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. games because he was yeah. down the stretch. He became like one of my favorite bottom six players. Mm-hmm. Like game in, game out, he was very energetic, which uh, is what uh, Adam Ernie should be, but he never is. So that's true. Good point. Good point. Um, I did like how it was kid night, and I kind of forgot to mention that that all of the funny drawings the kids did of the players on the jumbotron when they were whenever they'd score the picture of the the kid the kids drew of the players and man they did uh they did Talbertuzzi pretty dirty <laughs> dude Andy so during like the national anthem right before they were showing all the when they're introducing the players Tyler Bertuzzi's image came up and he, all the players are standing at the blue line right that are starting yeah. Bert's down there and he is just dying laughing at his picture <laughs> <laughs> it was so oh, funny. God. I didn't oh, see that. I gotta, was, I, gotta go, <clears throat> I gotta go look for that. It was so funny. Yeah, you gotta look for Bert's image because it is it is some sort of drawing. Did they put post it on their Instagram? I don't yeah, know. Twitter. But um, if you go back to their Twitter for that game, you can find it. But yeah. uh I'm doing that, I'm doing that right now. All right. Uh I'll yeah, I'll kind of finish it off. So yeah, Jack Redings gave up another hat trick in this game. Jack Roslovic, who did look really good. He looked good this game. Um Tough one. I think it's what their twelfth of the year they've given up eleven or twelve. I think they've given up Patrick wise. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just a normal thing. Yeah, I think that's you know if I look that up, that's probably not the you know worst in NHL history, but it's probably not far off. Um, I, I'm kind of waiting. I wanted to, <laughs> yeah, more on this game. Um, trying to think what else significant. Like what what other things did you take away from this game, Grant? Like being there. Um. The crowd was really into it. That's probably that was the best atmosphere I've been to for an NHL game. Hundred uh, percent, especially especially the, the guys Dallas. Next to you. Yeah, the Dallas game last year was electric, where it was like six hundred people. Um, yeah, and Bernie made like fifty-two saves. You gotta love it. Yeah, that's a wild drawing of Bert. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, uh, but yeah, the guy, the guys sitting next to Grant, they're all wearing cowboy hats and in bolos. They were, they were something. Yeah, they were. 
they were uh, quite funny. Yes, they were they were getting pumped when the Red Wings were scoring. It was it was awesome. No, I I agree. The the crowd was uh, on displays like early on in the game. Like when we went down, like we went down early. The first period was kind of a drag, and then we scored again. We started going again, but then when it was four two, kind of died down again. So we kind of definitely had our waves of activity, but I thought it was great overall. And I had a, I had a great time. I can't wait to go back. Also, Little Caesars Arena is awesome. That rink is so nice. Oh, Grant, you got to you got to meet Johnny O too. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah, I met Johnny O, Andy. Um, go up to him or whatever, shook his hand, started talking to him, and he goes, "Yeah, I, I scored four hundred two goals in the league." And I was like, "Yeah," and I I. I pumped his tires a little bit. I was like, yeah, 155 goal season two. He's like, yeah, some no- nobody broke my record. He's like some Steve Eiserman guy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Some, some nobody. That's hilarious. Nice guy. Johnny. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's so funny. Like he, he, like he was just signed. Everybody. Like I love how he signed every autograph too. Cause obviously our sister got one too. And it said 402 goals on it. Just making sure they rubbed it in. Hey. <laughs> Hey, that's like my the uh, the jersey my brother won his stag and doe thing whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the raffle, the McCarty one had the goals and the fights on there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I scored four hundred times in the NHL too, I'd be rubbing it in. So that's cool. I don't mind it. It's a yeah. good fun. That's even good fun. But uh, yeah, kind of moving out of that. Um, earlier in the week, I thought I'd kind of tie this all like towards as we finish up here. But um, the Red Wings had a a signing. A free agent signing, which is uh, at this point in the year kind of happens, stuff leaks out. And obviously with college free agency coming up, like there's a lot of news that way. But um, we had a Swedish free agent signing, um, Pontus Andreasen, which is the most Swedish name Swedish name I've ever heard of. Um, yeah, 23-year-old, um, out of Luia. That's how you pronounce it, right, Grant? Uh, Luela. That's how I pronounce it. It's probably okay. wrong. Yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway... <laughs> This is his first full year in the uh, the SHL, and I kind of like that, like looking through his stats. I mean, he was playing in the third league three years ago, and he's slowly – he's a late bloomer, and he's kind of gotten better every year he's played. And he's not just been like a consistent guy in the SHL, but he's been consistently getting better at his – like at a young age. Um, I did see that it was confirmed by um, our Swedish super scout, Hakan Anderson, that it's a two-way deal. It's going to be a one-year deal because of his age. But, um, yeah, 5'10", uh, second on the team in, in scoring, only behind Edmonton Oilers legend Linus Elmark. So not a big deal. Not a big deal. His line mate as well. Um, but, yeah, 38 oh, points wow. in, in 52 games, but not including his playoffs, which he has nine points in five games, I think. And isn't seven of them are goals. Yeah, seven and He's, two in five games. That the day yeah. it was the day that it, the report came out, he had two goals in that playoff game, and one of them was one handed, yeah, which was sick. dirty. Sydney? <laughs> no, it was like the the, the Swedish tuck. Oh yeah, the Forsberg, if you will. The Forsberg, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, seventeen points his last sixteen game, sixteen games in the regular season too. But um, I don't know, uh, Grant. What are your feelings on? The signing of Andreasen. Uh, it's hard to judge because I have never like watched him really. I've watched him without knowing I'm watching him. Uh, just you throw on a game mindlessly, and I don't know. All I'm thinking about is uh, if Linus Omar's going to do something cool or something like that. But uh, yeah, 
I think you take a flag like this whenever you get an opportunity. He's progressed really well through the ranks. Like you said, he was in the third league recently. And then jump up to the Al Svenskin with similar production that he had in the third league. And he jumps up to the SHL with similar production that he had in the second and third league, which is kind of crazy progression there. Uh, so, and then his playoff stats this year, thus far, he's been a dominant force. Uh, not afraid to throw around the body and he likes to skill it up a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's an issue. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's an issue in today's NHL. Well, Jay Beagle. As long as he doesn't play against Jay Beagle, we should be okay. Um, yeah. But no, again, I kind of, it's again, free player. You got to love it. Um, yeah. I loved what, like, Hakan Anderson generally seemed excited about getting him in. And whenever Hakan Anderson's excited about a player, I get excited about a player, which is right, which, which is my right to do so. Um, he is only 5'10 and 180, so he's not, you know, wowing anyone with his size. Is listed as a center, but he's primarily played wing. So I'd call him a winger. Um, again, versatility, though. And yeah, I like the free player. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Andy, you have any thoughts on it? Uh, no, not really. I didn't know this guy who this guy was before we signed him. So <laughs> to be honest, kind of like Grant, like, I mean, I don't watch the SHL like Grant does either, but, uh, hopefully he pans out somewhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a two way deal. So, I mean, there's a chance he, yeah. I mean, probably more likely or Effective not it's next like, year. Right. Yeah. So he technically hasn't yeah. been, he can't, he can't be officially signed yet because the season's still going. Right. So, cause it's going to be for next year, but, um, yeah, I again, I kind of like the worst come the worst comes to worst is, is he's just a he's AHL depth for a young team that gives you a little scoring depth. It can be a call up option if you're not looking to call up, like let's say like an Elmer Soderbloom, if you want him to keep developing and you run into injury problems. Like I kind of look at it that way. Um, right. Also, good competition for training camp for a guy who is competitive. I mean, there was the one replay right before he scored his first goal. And he got out of the box because he got out of the box and scored on that. But he drilled someone from arguably from behind. It was a pretty bad hit, but he was into it, which you got you got to like. I love that. Perfect. Yeah. Now he he does have a little uh, grit to him, but uh, I guess continuing on the the free agency uh, update. And so kind of tie into the last thing I t- we talk about, but um, yeah, Ben Myers. There's no update yet on Ben Myers. Um, Elliot Freeman reported that he was meeting with teams on Monday. So we probably will hear something on our tomorrow. So after this podcast comes out, so it's going to be outdated, which will be funny. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the Red Wings, uh, Minnesota and Philly have been the ones reported mostly with him. I mean, he was a finalist for the Hobie Baker lost, but uh, yeah, he, he had a great season. And again, he's kind of been, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, you said lost. Oh, you're just talking about yeah. I thought you were like, I thought you were about to like chime in. I was like, what do you want? No. <laughs> um, get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, kid. Ah, I lost my point. I was, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. Yeah, I read something from Michael Russo, uh, who covers the Minnesota Wild for the Athletic. And a lot of, there's a lot of sense around the league that he has the potential upside to be the best college free agent since, um, for upside, since like Tyler Bozak and Tori Krug which I do like the sounds of that. Again, sometimes it happens a lot where it gets overhyped. I mean, we can look at Ryan. Donato. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy VC had some crazy yeah, upside too. I yeah. mean, in, in theory though, Jimmy VC was a good third line player for a little bit. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for the, 
the show, the side show that was going on to get Jimmy VC. <laughs> oh, that was so I exciting. I agree. Like he, he was, I swear to God, it was Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux, and freaking Connor McDavid put up together. That's what Jimmy VC. I remember was. being, I remember being kind of bummed because the Red Wings were told pretty early on that they weren't getting him. And I remember oh like reading that and was like, come on again. But like, you can't really be mad if, even if he doesn't pan out and like, he's still an NHL player because like you signed him for 900 grand and right. it's only like a two year deal. So again, I don't really, for me, it doesn't really matter. And again, yeah, I look at it as a free ad. Um, one thing the Red Wings have over the wild is they'll be able to give him op- opportunity this year and he'll get probably big minutes. Cause that's going to be part of the pitch from Eisman. He's like, listen, you want to play, second line and power play time come here right and he could he is listed as playing like as he can play center i think he did play wing down the stretch but again kind of going back into faceoffs doesn't mean he's a center but that's kind of all i have to go off of right now uh he had a 57 percent faceoff win percentage so i don't know maybe not a big deal again a guy who can play center in the red wing system who's who's in desperate need of centers i do like it I right. do hope he. I do hope he signs and he gets to play the final whatever eight eight games of the season because again it gives the the locker room a little more energy going down the stretch and leads for some hopeful better games because I don't see a lot of wins at the end of the season well, until until that last week where we play uh, the New Jersey Devils because they are like awful. like I alluded to last episode or the episode before bringing guys or bringing up young guys too like I said the possibility of bringing up a guy like Bergeron who's going to put a smile on people's faces at a gloomy time of the year where you know you're not making the playoffs and uh you're just getting shit shelled every night uh i think signing a guy like a college free agent could be a little boost for uh some of the the leaders on the team even yeah i agree completely um also just bring me dryden mckay there's nothing going around about him but bring me dryden mckay he's good yeah he's gonna um, go back for a fifth year probably somewhere i hope not he he's, said he's that a, he, he said that more than likely that was me his last game. Yeah, he did say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, true. But he wants yep. he wants a he wants a ring. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's not um, good. But yeah, this last little segment kind of came uh, this afternoon. I was at work and I threw on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, and they've been doing little segments about um, teams that after they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Which actually, the fact that it came April 9th, of this season, the Red Wings being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, kind of, uh, I think it's positive we can take away from this season. Um, but yeah, so they do a little breakdown, possible uh, moves in the off season the Red Wings might make, or and so on and so forth. But they made some comments that may or may not ruffle some feathers of Red Wings fans after a you know a good season of progression from guys who we hope are the core. They're not sure they. Uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman kind of mentioned that they're not sure that the rebuild's over and Eisman's not, you know, if he's satisfied with the the depth around the team. Um, and I guess kind of breaking down that comment, I, I get it completely because you look at the best teams and you look at, let's, let's look at Colorado right now who traded off Justin Barron and um, Drew Hellison and you still look at their defensive pipeline. You're like, they don't miss them at all. And they traded Connor, Connor Timmons, the, in the summer before. So it's three very quality prospects. Like I'm not saying they're top end prospects, but they're quality. Right. So I get completely, cause I, I mean, if you, like we look at the Red Wings and having strength on the left side, but if you trade away two of those guys and you're like, Ooh, not looking so good anymore. 
You know what I mean? And you look at the right side of the Red Wings defense. We only have prospect wise. I'd really say is anti Tuomisto. Um, who I should mention is shout out to Denver for winning. I kind of forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, Carter Mazer was a freak. He was so good. And then Shai Booyam, Grant, Grant and I were talking about against Michigan. Shai Booyam missed a wide open net, which was that was, to see. That was pretty funny. They ended up winning, so it doesn't really matter in retrospect. But yeah, I loved watching Carter Mazer. He was so good. It's really funny. I was in the car with mom, and she was like, Yeah, who's that one kid that when we watched him at Lake State? Uh, on Denver, that was like your age. I was like, starts with a B. She said, "She go, oh, I was like Bobby Brink," and she's like, "Yeah, he was really good, wasn't he?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, he was. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's up he, for the Hobie. All right. Remember watching him? Uh, that was twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. It was nineteen twenty that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played at Lake State and. That was when Calder scored two sick goals against Denver, but uh, Brink was sick, and he was only 18. That was right after his draft year. Yep. Yeah, we were in the second round. He's He's playing first power play as an 18-year-old on Denver. Not a big deal. He's he's gross. He's going to be good in Philly as he just signed his entry-level contract. But, uh, again, I saw some some Red Wing fans were like, yeah, let's sign those guys to entry-level contracts. No. Leave them in Denver. Carter Mazer is yeah. going to get – he's probably going to get first-line minutes next year. Chai Booyam is going to go – he's going to get more – actually, no, left side. He's still got Barons there. Again, another Colorado pick. Again, the rich get richer. Um, yeah, two Misto hopefully – I, I got to view two Misto being like a make or break it year for him. Hopefully yeah. he can – as as he's going into his uh, junior season now, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he started at 19. Yeah. So that's why. But, again, kind of like Mazer. But, um, yeah. Carter Mazer, he was almost a point per game his freshman year. Uh, so only positives coming from him. We can go back to Friedman and stuff. So I, I kind of understand with the depth and how Eisman may be concerned. And that would lead me to believe that Tyler Bertuzzi would be the, the easy answer for a possible trade, as much as Andy doesn't want to hear it. Well, you have three answers for a trade. Yes. Yeah. You have your three big, big ones that are the upper tier of older your older core right we've talked about the possibility of having two cores and if Mm -hmm. he wants to just start with the possibility of basically anyone around that side or Raymond range or a little bit older than that even like you can take flyers on guys like those you have Jacob Verona who'd be really easy to move you have Bertuzzi that would be really easy to move and you have Larkin. That yeah, Larkin's would... the only one like that people I think Eisenman would even pause on because you look at the pipeline for center on uh, in Detroit. Uh the idea of running Pew Suter and Joe Valeno next year is yeah. not exactly, exactly ideal. I mean, if you're tanking, that you want that to be your two centers. Bedard, yeah. baby. Yeah, I mean Connor Bedard would be worth it. And also, I mean, you lose out oh and Adam Fantilli. Who is unbelievable? I know. I tried to make an effort this year to go watch him uh, play in Green Bay. He but I just good. have not gotten around to it, and I'm really upset. Next year, and he's gonna be at Michigan next year, which will suck. But yeah, and every time he's been here, he's put on a show. Apparently, so that's great. At like three <laughs> cool. three point nights every night he's been here. 
I just I I can't win. So I I definitely understand the the I just want what I want from Eisman and and they did bring it up that like Eisman's kind of he's kind of been on the same path of like slow and process with like they'll sign a veteran guy like Nick Letty or trade trade for a veteran guy like Nick Letty or sign a veteran guy like Nemesnikov and then trade him for you know middle a middle pick right and it's kind of been the the trait for a few seasons now aside from the Anthony Mantha one but they got a better player in return so that one to me that wasn't like selling off a player for straight straight futures so again it kind of goes back to he, they did wonder whether when Eisman would deem it's time to make that big move that big splash one way or the other which has been the same thing we've been saying for a while now just for the sense of direction this team needs to go, right? Yeah. And yeah, as much as it would suck to see Dylan Larkin go, he would get a ton of return. I'm That's, I don't want this the scary thing is though, like depending on routes, it's, it's there's two separate routes he can take here. And the idea of despite contract issues, the possibility of building a legitimate dynasty if you do it the right way. Because with two separate cores, you can have both those years, or if you build off of a super young core, you can also have a long time with that core. Right. It just gets difficult with contract issues, but if you base it, structure it around certain players and then keep deem players that you don't think you need and then keep filling them in with drafted players for on ELCs and stuff. Yep. If you just got to draft well. Yep. And again, I think again, like when I say like the Red Wings could get aggressive one way or the other, like if they were to get aggressive and try to make the playoffs, um, which I'm not saying I, 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 I would, I mean, obviously as a fan I'm wanting them to be good, I want that to happen, but is it the right thing? I don't know, but I'm not saying trade away your first round pick. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at like an LA situation where you buy on a Victor Arvidson for a second and a third, a Philip Deneau in free agency. You kind of fill holes that way and you kind of like see, you kind of build around, you want those young guys to take those steps and fill in those gaps. And if you make the playoffs, great. If you don't, you know, okay. It's yeah. all right. So that's kind of how I feel LA is like right now. Cause obviously LA is kind of slid a little bit at this back half to, due to injury, but like they didn't give up a first round pick. And they're gonna they'll be just fine because they have the first round pick for the draft this year and they can keep building. And you get that you get that important those important games down the stretch where they mean something for those young players. It's tough for like again, I kind of like with Larkin, I understand like if we do go a couple more years, but in Dylan Larkin's mind, he hasn't played meaningful games in quite a long time. No. no so not at all. And that weighs and that weighs on a player. Tyler Bertuzzi, same thing. And it's hard for players to keep getting up for that. And I know Dylan Larkin's kind of been the the cheerleader for the Red Wings for a while now and understanding the process. But he, he says that in the public, but I don't know what he thinks of me, like truly, right? It's I and it's unfair and it's unfair it's, to like me for to try to gleam things off of his comments. But yeah, I, I would give it the benefit of the doubt with that one simply because he is a hometown boy. Mm-hmm. That changes a lot. It's not like Eichel and he's not as high class as Eichel is right so that that really takes a toll on a player is being everything gets thrown on you because you're not succeeding where it's not being all thrown on Larkin right, right. Um, and like and he's, he's like a he's, hometown boy 
Like yeah. yeah, like you said, he's a hometown boy. He grew up a Wings fan. Saw what it, Detroit's like when Wings are successful too, which is a big, mm-hmm. you know, like that's exciting. That's a big like, thing. That is a big thing. Like he literally bleeds red and white for the Red Wings, like through and through, yep. right? Yeah, exactly. So that's the only one that's like, yeah, I could see him being truthful as where he wants to wait out the process and see how it goes. Right. Yeah. Again, like this, I thought this was just an interesting conversation. I don't think we learned any new information from the 32 right. thoughts. I thought it was just interesting. Um, they did also mention that Ty Bertuzzi was Toronto's number one target at the deadline last year before they got Nick Foligno, which looking at it, like Ty Bertuzzi would have been such a better fit for <laughs> instead of Nick Foligno. Um, but right. like also like Ty Bertuzzi like was hurt and needed back surgery. So I mean, they couldn't really, it wasn't really their fault. Um, that would have been a really interesting trade, and I would be curious what the what was talked about. If there was even anything talked about, I mean, I know he was their target, but there wasn't really. They didn't mention whether or not there was trade talks. I feel they like be, he's or, he's a guy that would have been undersold less, or that it would have been like an undersell, and then Iserman went to did it. Yeah, maybe because he was hurt for most I mean, of the season. You see the season yeah. he's had this year comparatively to years past. I mean, last year he had such a hot start. He had what seven and nine, I think. Yep. And then uh, had that injury. But he was yeah. finally, like, you were starting to see, like, dominant Bertuzzi in games, that nine-game yeah. stretch. And then this year he has showed that he can literally control a game almost, <laughs> which is so weird yeah. to think about because half the time he's sliding around on the ice. Yeah. I wonder, wonder if that's why uh, the whole debacle with Al Sabatka it was like he had no work. Yeah, to do. he didn't think he needed to do any work anymore, and then he got really mad. Yeah, there's no there's uh, no work left for him to do because birds out there taking up. That's we were so doing a, a slide count at the game, but we lost track. We're at four. Oh. Yeah, we get to four, and we kind of like the game kind of took over, and we yeah, for, stopped paying attention. It's always the first shift too, like three seconds of the game, Bertuzzi's just sliding. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's like a slip and slide. Look, ice is still a little bit wet. Trash, you know, it's yeah, see, how, see, how many a... meet, see how many yards you can get. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I think that does it for that. Uh, unless you guys have anything else. Um the Red Wings do have a couple games this week, starting with uh the Sens, baby. We play the Sens again. And right. are, I think the Red Wings are gonna get Sensed again. Which uh yeah. Unfortunate, but you know. You see, Evgeny Malkin was suspended four games. He got four games. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. I don't what know. Do like, do? I, he cross-checked uh, Borvieski in the face. I mean, it's the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That who just got fined five thousand for that? Um, and then Buknevich got a game for it last year. Yeah. They're literally all the same, and he got four games. <laughs> and Matthews got two games. <laughs> oh, Matthews yeah, right. got two. Yeah. Buknevich got one, and then Malkin got four. I guess they're up in the punishment on Krosnick and someone in the face. I mean, Double good. Like, time. I, Next time I, is eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like. I don't necessarily agree with like or not disagree. Excuse me with the the call. I just think it's interesting because you can look at Matthews and being like a very similar situation. Right. I mean, the only difference was that it was directly to the front of the face versus where Matthews and Matthews on Darlene was the kind of the side. So maybe that was yeah. the ultimate. Um, yeah. I mean, Buknevich was right over the teeth on Mantha. 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like he jumped at him basically. <laughs> right. Well, I guess Malkin. I mean, I guess well, no, because he remember he's like baseball swung at someone's head a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, I mean, oh he completely God, missed the guy, yeah. but like he like, like literally Joey Votto that guy. Yeah, he's um, a psycho. Yeah, it was, was holy. But yeah, no, I remember the best clip about that was uh, connect knees. Like, why don't you go take someone else's head off with your baseball swing or something like that? He was just <laughs> ripping them apart the whole the whole game after that. Travis Connecting, uh, sorry. Oh, man, look at, right looking, at, looking at the schedule this week. It's not looking good for the Red Wings. Uh, we got Ottawa Tuesday, Carolina Thursday, New York, the Rangers on Saturday afternoon, and then back-to-back in or against Florida. I mean, you can argue Ottawa sucks. So do the Red Wings. That should be a fun game. Uh, Red Wings always play good against Carolina. That should be a decent game. Uh, then the Rangers, I think the Red Wings typically play decent against two. Yeah, you know, Mark Stahl's and then showing up Florida should be a six goal differential. Yeah, one way or the other. Well, the six wings, goal differential. Yeah. If the Wings are up six goals, Florida will come back and win. But yes, either way, there's going to be a six goal differential. Yeah. Right. The but, over uh, in that game. The yeah. over in that. The over game. in that game <laughs> is going to be at seven and a half. You got to yeah. hammer that. You got to hammer that. Um, it might be at but, ten. <laughs> it's gonna hit in the first 10 minutes of the game yeah. maybe maybe we'll get a w- double goalie poll again who knows that'd be electric uh, that would be electric but uh yeah that'll i think it's gonna do it for this one um obviously yeah the, towards the end of the season is getting a little a little tougher for red wing fans to, when yeah obviously we've known we, we're not gonna be in the playoffs for a while but to me mathematically eliminated it definitely takes a little more wind out of the sails but Again, looking forward to watching the young guys keep progressing. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Ben Myers is wearing a Red Wings jersey this week, and we get to see him in a couple games. That'd be exciting. Um, but, yeah, that's good. Do it for this one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Uh, yeah.